0: Hi, I'm Michelle Stinson-Ross for Amuse Now, and I am joined this afternoon by Mr. J. Alexander Greenwood, author of the John Pilot Mystery Series. Good afternoon, Alex. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm very well, Michelle. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well, thank you. Just to give you a little bit of background information for those of you that are not yet familiar with J. Alexander Greenwood and his work, Alex has written three novels and has also produced a couple of short stories. And we are here today to talk about John Pilot, the series, and how that all came about.
1: What's that all about?
0: Yeah, what is that all about? (laughs) Your background as a writer goes way, way back. Can you kind of fill us in on your history just a little bit?
1: Well, it started when I was a kid. Uh, uh, My grandfather, Robert E. Trevathan, he wrote over 30 books starting in the uh, late 40s, early 50s, and he was a dedicated writer. It kind of, uh, I think I remember the first time I ran into him. I knew he wrote books, but when you're a kid, you don't really understand that fully. Um, but I, I, ran into him at the shopping mall. I was with my folks, and there was my granddad sitting at a card table in front of a Walden Books. It's like, Grandpa, what are you doing here? And he was all by himself with a stack of books next to him. You know, any writer will know this story, right? You know, I've been there. I know. He said, "I'm just trying to sell some books," and 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 that just made this. Um, impression on me when I was a young person, you know, that, you know, uh, this is my grandfather and those things between those pages are all came out of his head, and uh, he always encouraged my efforts. It all kind of comes full circle. Um, My grandfather passed away about 10 years ago this month, as a matter of fact, in August, that's correct, yeah, and I was the last person to see him. I visited him um, on his deathbed. He had uh, cancer and uh, had a hard time talking. But um, one of the last things he said to me was, "You know, basically, when you get through screwing around with all this other stuff you're doing, I was in politics and doing some other stuff. So when you get through screwing around with all that stuff, get back to what you're really good at, which is writing." And uh, even after he passed away, uh, it took me a few more years to get involved and get serious about my writing. And it took me taking a a, a job at the smallest town in the world to light that spark with me. And uh, soon, a few years after that job in uh, rural Nebraska, I wrote uh, Pilot's Cross, which was inspired by some things I figured out and found out down there.
0: Great segue into my next question, because as, as you said, you've, you've worked in probably the world's smallest town. <laughs> yeah. Um, how does that experience feature, particularly in Pilot's
1: Cross? Small towns have secrets. And people in small towns tend to want to keep those secrets, especially from outsiders. And no matter in how inside you think you are, if you're from outside, you're never an insider. And the other thing I found out was that there's a very deep feeling of isolation if you're an outsider and you're there and you're not part of the part of the group. Is there's people that are very nice to you. And there's people who will certainly have a cup of coffee with you and all that. But um, pretty much if you need a friend, get a dog. Is a situation. I don't mean these are bad people, but it's just that if you really want to get into what makes the town tick, it's kind of tough to do, especially if you're perceived as this guy who's not going to be there very long, maybe a few years, and then you move on, which is what happened. Mm-hmm. While I was there, I received a big fat envelope on my desk one day. I was marking a marketing and PR guy. It was from the president of the college, and it was a big fat vanilla envelope, and it said, "Alex, you're going to want to know about this." I opened it up, and it's Affidavits, police reports, copies of crime scene photographs. In the 50s, a disgruntled professor had walked in and assassinated the school's dean and president. Whoa. Then then walked home and took his own life. I remember photocopying everything in that thing, and I thought, someday I'm going to want this. So I copied it and took a copy home from me. Got to Kansas City. I'm in an apartment. I've got a great new job, but I'm kind of bored. And I remember unpacking, and I came across this big fat vanilla envelope full of stuff. And there it was, in that envelope lie the spark that created John Pilate, this outsider who comes to a small town called Cross, goes to Cross College to be a professor or an instructor. He stumbles across a mystery, a conspiracy, and all sorts of really uh, interesting hijinks happen to this poor guy.
0: So, we take this crazy twisted plot that happens in the world's smallest town. Yeah. And it grows to encompass the world of Key West. Yeah. And several other fun places along the way. How in the world does John Pilot wind up Continuing to be mired in this thing when he thought he had it all resolved at the end of the first
1: book. Well, it's just like The Godfather. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, you know. And um, well, Key West, I love. I traveled there uh, on our honeymoon. was part of our honeymoon, and I fell in love with the place because it just has this delightfully, deliciously seedy, but and I don't, and I mean that in the nicest sense of the word seedy kind of tourist town, though, that has this wonderful history of Hemingway lived there. Harry Truman. I, I mean, I don't live far right now from the Harry Truman Presidential Library here in Missouri. Uh, you know, Harry Truman had a lot of things going on there. If you've read Pilot's Key, you know a lot of stuff happens out by the Dry Tortugas, and I'm not going to give it away. And I will And I will say... Um, oh,
0: my gosh, you guys, you have to read it.
1: <laughs> it. It's, It's. you know, there's been three books, and I'm very candid about it. Most people say that's their favorite of the three. doesn't mean the other two are bad. It's just... It, so far, that's the one that seems to capture everybody's attention. And, you know, I'm not supposed to play favorites either, but I, I enjoyed that one immensely. I enjoyed it because who I mean, who doesn't like a good mystery with a boat drink and, you know, ugh, the sun and the sand and there's sex and, oh, I t- <laughs> my own mother loves that one so much. She's just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, cause, I mean really, because Pilot just lets his inner bad boy out in this one. Because the first book he's dealing with some depression and he's dealing with—he's in this, this snowy wasteland, as far as he's concerned. He's—he's he's off on the heels of a bad divorce. I haven't even mentioned the fact that pilot—he's not schizophrenic exactly, but he hears the voice
0: of—he's
1: got a voice. He's got a guy whos is a doppelganger that that follows him around, which could be his self-doubt um, made into you know a, a voice. His name is Simon, and he's he's a real pain in the butt, but, um, he's, he's also probably <laughs> pilot's It's also kind
0: that. of helpful if, uh, as, especially as we delve into the story of pilot's key and John starts dealing with what exactly is this that keeps following me around. I, believe me, I loved the psychology angle of all of this.
1: Well, thank you. And, and yeah, pilot's, Pilot goes to, pilot after Pilot's Cross, he does go to, to Key West because he's going to, he's been commissioned to write a book about some of the experiences in the first book.
0: <laughs> Again, so, Art imitates life.
1: Art imitates life, exactly. And he's got to, he's going to, while he's there, he's going to deal with some of his issues. Um, he's got a love interest back in, uh, across college, across township, but let's just say that Cats Away, the mice play a little bit, mm-hmm. and, um. He deals with that later. He, he has to pay for that later in some other ways. I don't want to give too much away. I want to
0: shift gears just mm-hmm. a little bit. Sure. Because you don't actually have a big publisher behind you, do you? You're an no, independent author.
1: I'm independent. Caroline Street Press is the imprint that I use, but but, but Caroline Street Press is something I set out. You know, I released two books in 2012. I released pilots. um key in February, and I released Pilot's Ghost on on Halloween, Um, and I'm talking ebook versions and paperback versions, and now there's already been, and now also we've got an audio audiobook version of Pilot's Cross that got done this year. Yeah, I'm an indie guy, and I'll tell you what, I tried the traditional route, I tried very hard, because my grandfather, as I said, was with, I mean, uh, Bantam, Dell, you know, all these different big publishers, or imprints of big publishers. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's what I wanted. And I tried, I think, two year almost two years, I tried to get an agent, and I had a hundred turn me down flat, and then I had four of them request partial manuscripts, and out of that four, two of them wanted full manuscripts, and out of those two, one was prepared to offer me a contract to represent me, and this was by the end of 2008. Getting into 2009, and the economy crater. And I was so crushed, because I mean, I think I was literally within weeks of of having an agent, you know, and going the traditional route. Now, getting an agent doesn't guarantee anything either. Mm -hmm. uh, My grandfather had an agent, and he had several unpublished manuscripts, which he left to me, which who knows what will happen with those. But um, so that didn't happen. And I remember I was like, well, okay. I knew from my grandpa, you know, there's you know, to everything there's a season. Take your time. And then that was right around two thousand nine and I heard about Smashwords and Mark Coker and democratization of printing and publishing. And, you know, it wasn't it was it was I could see where it was going. It was a lot like the democratization of the music industry that happened with iTunes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of drag out there, but there's also gonna be some people who are very artisanal about the way they put their stuff together, and there's gonna be some opportunities for people. Um, of course, as we can see nowadays, you look at Fifty Shades and you look at Stephanie Meyer and some of these others who've been blown up from being indies. It's not going to happen for most people. It's like It's like the odds are about as good as you making it as uh, winning an Oscar. You know, if you want to be an actor, it's just it's it's tough. But there, it was it was not about me making loads of money. And you know, usually that it, I used to say that kind of thing was the refuge of the rationalizer. You know, well, I don't do it for the money. I just do it for the. Satisfaction of having published a book. <laughs> well, money's money's nice too, and uh, I've invested a lot of money in these books. Um, it's not it's not cheap to put them all together. You can do them if you do them just as an ebook, and you <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't hire a, a proper editor and you just do it all yourself, it's it's relatively inexpensive, especially if you can do your own cover. But yeah. usually, people see that, and I. I've worked with professional cover artists who's done some very artistic he's a professional artist who's done some very artistic cover art. So artistic and so good in fact that maybe it's even hurt my sales because it's not the traditional cover. And so right. the, there's things I'm looking at and learning about when I do this. But yeah, the the process has been um, challenging and difficult and I guess if I cared a little less about what I put out there, I'd be putting out more books, maybe two e-books a year and not worrying about paperbacks. If I want to make money, like John Locke and those types, that's really what I need to be doing is just cranking them out. But, um, one, I have a day job. I have a kid. I have a wife. I have a life. I have things I want to do. And also, I just i enjoy the process of writing them, so I want to have a good time with it
0: is there any other particular advice you have for aspiring writers?
1: You know, I, I would just especially if you're brand new at it, okay, if, you're, if you've just written your first thing um, as torturous as it can be to be stuck with this this book for as long as you've been, um, let some beta readers, some trusted people read it, people who I'll just say it, don't mind hurting your feelings a little bit I had some beta readers from my first one and they caught a lot of stuff but uh, but uh, and that's half the battle. So mm-hmm. The other half of the battle is having a good editor because a beta reader is not an editor necessarily. They're just friends who like to read. And sometimes, no, even if they find stuff wrong, they're probably not going to be as just tough on you as an editor will be. Mm-hmm. So find a good editor. I know lots of good editors. If people want to contact me through my website, I'll recommend a few. Um, but have a good editor. Have beta readers. And when you think it's really done and really ready to go, that's when you take it and you put it in a drawer, figuratively, if it's on your computer, you put it away, leave it alone for a couple or three weeks, and let it just let it marinate in its own juices. You'll get some time and some distance from it. Trust me, it works every time. Um, Stephen King calls it, you're writing with the door closed, which is what he does when he gets his first draft done. He doesn't talk about it with his wife. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't show it to anybody. And He gets that first draft done. He puts it in the drawer for a few weeks. He pulls it out and it's fresh again. And he finds things wrong with it. He fixes those things. Then he shows it to Tabby, his wife, or some beta readers. They find some other things, and then he strips it off to his editor. Uh, it works for me, too. It, well, you know, it seems to work for me. I mean, I'm not selling as many books as Stephen King, but but I'm, I'm putting out a product that I'm proud of.
0: Thank you so much, Alex. Folks, please, if you have yet to read any of Alex's work, please go to Amazon, go to Kindle, Nook, iBooks, anywhere you can find an ebook, check it out, Pilots Cross, Pilots Key, and Pilots Ghost. Again, Alex, thank you very much, and have a great afternoon. Hi, I'm Cynthia Kahn, founder of Amuse Now. This featured artist presentation has been brought to you by Amuse Now Entertainment, a website that enables artists to profit from their creativity. To learn more about Amuse Now, visit us at www.amusednow.com or email me at ccon at amusednow.com.